yeah. you know, than they are. Right. Ooh, like you know? Lisa? Hmm? Lisa needs to get paid more. <laughs> you recording that? Everything's being recorded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I say. Well, well, well. My, my, my. Well, well, well. Let's take a ride. Alright, guys, welcome. In this one, Neil and I interview a buddy of ours named Dominic and talk about some Tolkien stuff. It's a really fun one. We play a drinking game with it. I hope you guys can play along. Enjoy. Alright, tell us about this beer. This is your, your choice, right? Yeah, Innocent Gun. This is my favorite beer. Mm-hmm. Um, this one's the Bourbon Barrel. Um, the original one is really tasty, too. Um, I've actually tried at least four of the ones that they offer, and they're Equally, all just really good. It's a beer from um, Scotland, so it's a Scottish beer. Oh, really? And yeah, um, it's just incredibly tasty. Um, they do make a, um, I think they make an IPA, but um, I haven't tried that one. But it just seems like I don't know. It just doesn't seem like it would be their thing. You know, they're really good right, with the, the Scottish yeah. nails and, yeah, the stouts and all that stuff. <laughs> I prefer stouts. But, anyway. um, they they do age the beer in rum casks. At least the original one is. I'm not sure. This one this is a bourbon. bourbon. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's kind of cool how they, um, you know, how they age them in those barrels. I like how so they, they give do, them a little twist. Do right? that because there's the Jameson or whatnot that they take the beer barrels and then they distill, or they not distill it, but they age the the whiskey, the whiskey in and the one that oh, had the beer. Fascinating! In. I didn't know that. <clears throat> huh? That's pretty cool. Uh, so they do the reverse. <laughs> yeah. Of that. Well, maybe they probably just switch up. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> now we switch the barrels. All right. Can we buy your barrels? For sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're worth something, I'm sure. All right. I oh, finished mine. Yeah, I'm pretty much just about done. So really, uh, really I was easy eating beer to drink. He was eating lasagna. Because <laughs> apparently he won't have dinner tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually taking some of your food home. <laughs> Go for it. Apparently I'm cooking tomorrow. Aren't you usually? <laughs> yeah. Every time I talk to you, I'm like, so what are you doing tonight? You're like um, making dinner. Yeah, probably. I do. I do enjoy cooking. That's good. Yeah. I know how to cook. Okay. All right. So what are the rules? Are we going to do the rules on the drinking game? Do you think that that's possible? Or <laughs> are we telling people what we're probably, doing today? Well, I'm going to keep each other accountable. Like, no, I mean... Well, I can always cut it out, too, if it doesn't make any sense. Oh, so. <laughs> a lot of editing. Now we got to do the beginning of the show. This was the beginning of the show. We've already had the beginning of the show. <laughs> oh. Like, that's going to be the beginning of the show. What a bulb! <laughs> the bulb. Have you listened to any of the episodes? I listened to half of the first one. I've, I haven't listened to the oh, second no. half. We're like, we're like Star Wars. You need to start an episode four. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's freaking <That's> good. <laughs> That's not Star Wars. Star Wars started out good. <laughs> it just was episode it, it four. It just was episode four. Start with episode four. Forget about Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. One through three comes later. Much, much, much later. Much, much later. <laughs> right, well, once, you, once you've gathered a taste for us. Let's not, yeah, let's, yeah, let's, let's not trash, <laughs> trash the prequels right now. Okay. Oh, goodness. That's like if somebody decided to try to pick up the Silmarillion as a movie. I don't know if I'd be right. okay with that. Well, like like the new Lord of the Rings series that they're making, right? Amazon. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's suppo- They say it's supposed to be a young Aragorn. So, like, focusing more on Numenor and all that. But, like, I don't know. They better get, like, all of 
it right, you know, to make it good. Because I actually thought that they were just going to do the Lord of the Rings again. But that's the thing. They, they say Lord of the Rings series, but, like, if you're focusing on that far back, right. that's technically not, right? Would it well, even still be in the third, the third age? age it should, is, well, <clears throat> they're probably just using the my marketing name. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think they're marketing the name yeah, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it's like, they don't want to just say Middle Earth. Yeah, no, 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 what's that? Know, yeah. yeah, or what would you call it? You know, the Tolkien verse? But. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. Numenor, the Age of Numenor, the Age of Elendil. I don't know. Nobody yeah. Get that. <laughs> Nobody got yeah, understand. The, what is it? The, uh-huh. the Age of Lanterns and Trees? The, yeah, <laughs> the two lamps. Is that at lamps, not yeah. lanterns? Yeah. The two, yeah. So, I mean, but I mean, that's the thing. you got to use the thing that sells. It's yeah. like even Game of Thrones isn't really Game of Thrones. <clears throat> it's Song of Fire and Ice. Oh. And only the first book was Game of Thrones. Right. Oh, okay. So that's like calling all the Tom Clancy, Jack Ryan stories, <laughs> The Humphrey Road October. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's, actually, that's true, yeah. <laughs> but this one is the Patriot Games. <laughs> but, yeah. The yeah. Hunt for Red October, the Patriot Games. Yes. Hunt for Red October. <laughs> this one's a clear ad presentation. <laughs> Hunt for Red October. Just the Cardinal and the Kremlin. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's what they should do miniseries on. Do like full, the, those story, those books, and do it as like a miniseries, or do like six episodes or something. So in a sense, what it is, is it's a six to eight hour movie, because when the books are like an inch thick... Right. And you're trying to put that into a two-hour film. You can't. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. Have you seen the Jack Ryan? I watched one episode here at your house when you guys were here. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> I fell asleep watching one. Well, and then I watched maybe the second or third at home, and then it's like, I'm really bad. And I really like it. Oh, cool. It's just, you know, I'm really crappy at watching TV now. Right. It's Lisa's fault. <laughs> like, we, like what we'd say, like... On this, like, we're really bad at binging shows. And people are like, you don't binge when you watch shows. You watch shows like how people used to watch shows, right. like once a week. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if we watched two shows back to back, I was happy. Like, we got through Stranger Things in, like, two weeks. Yes. I was, like, pretty proud on that. Did you like it? Yeah. I thought it was tons of fun. Did you see Stranger Things? Are you Stranger Things? I haven't. You know, and every... Uh, like, it's one of those things that everybody keeps telling me, like, I need to get into because it's any? good. No, I haven't seen it. Oh, any. yeah, you got to yeah. watch it. It's, it's definitely on my list, though. Yeah. It looks yeah. good, though. I mean, just haven't gotten around to it. Right. No, no, um, it's good stuff. Yeah. There's how many seasons? Three. There's three. But three, the first okay. one's the best one. The second one's irritating, but the third one's tons of fun. Oh. I like <laughs> The second one's better than he says. No, it's not. It's terrible. Great. Irritating, tons of fun. Got it. <laughs> the first one is the best. I really, I really still wish they ended with the first season that they didn't do anything more. But you know, oh. there's money to be had. So, oh yeah, and you I'm know, oh, that, that's the story of The Walking Dead for you, man. That that like after the third season, I was just like, I tried getting through the fourth and fifth, and by the fifth season, it was just to me, it was just got ridiculous. The plot was just like gone. Right. Literated. It started out so good, too, other than, like, that weird, um, like, the ebb and flow of, like, this is Little House on the Prairie, but with zombies. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> That's good. But, well, right. I think I saw that on a poster. <laughs> yeah. But what was so great about it when it first started out was they had, like, these typical um, moral... Um, 
moral philosopher stances. It was so cool. Yeah. Because they were playing on like what Lost did with their with their philosophies. They even named characters after philosophers in Lost. And so, so they were doing that kind of stuff, but it was all about morality, and it, which was kind of fun. Uh-huh. Um, and then they, they got away from that real quickly, and it all became about who's going to die. Right. Know? Yeah, no. I, and I think that's what was fascinating at first about it, because it was it literally like made you think, what would you do in that, in that situation? Mm-hmm. Like, what would, be, what would you see as right versus wrong? Right. Would you take that person's life or not, you know? Um, but, yeah. That was, I feel like the first through, first through three, the first through the third seasons were the best. Then everything after that just started like, you know, getting crazy, getting dumb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My opinion. Yeah. I got bored of it too. But too yeah. bad. All right. So the way the. I'm getting one. <laughs> the way the drinking game goes is that anytime a, a particular place in Middle Earth is mentioned, that means Neil has to take a drink. Anytime one of the big three from Lord of the Rings is mentioned, uh, Frodo, Aragorn, or Gandalf, I have to take a drink. Anytime anything outside of Lord of the Rings, <laughs> but still I, uh, Tolkien. I, you know, I have a feeling that uh, I'm screwed because <laughs> most of what I've been preparing for this is uh, meanings and uh, theological approach to... Well, <laughs> only references of Tolkien's other writings outside of Lord of the Rings. That's what we'll Oh, do. is that what it is? So, we'll, so, so is anytime, the Hobbit count? Oh, Alright, well then I'm guessing... Yeah, the Hobbit counts. Right, okay. so, <laughs> there Hobbit go. counts and then... Um, Beowulf. Beowulf. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, the Silmarillion. Re- re-adaptation of yeah, that. Yeah, twice. I didn't know that. But I can't... I, I can't really talk too much about that because um, I... You know, I haven't done enough research. Oh, I think really I say, I'm an NDA. <laughs> <laughs> no. And then uh, the last bit is that anytime Tolkien's name is said, then everybody takes a drink. Take a drink. Well, man, well, we're all screwed for... Even the folks at home. For his bio. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I know. <laughs> if that's, we had to say a little bit about... His, that's what I was thinking to background. do first, too, right? Is talk a little bit about okay. his background. Uh, do you know what J.R.R. stands for? So it's um, John Ronald Ruel. I think that's how you say it. Token. Token. John Ronald Ruel. Token. Drink. Twice. So go ahead. Tell us a little bit about uh, about him. What got you interested in him? Like how how did he draw you in? And did you ever watch? I know that they made that um, that new. I don't know if it's a biopic or whatever of Token. Yeah. Of Token with um, Nicholas Holt. Biopic? No, I haven't seen that. Uh, it's just called Tolkien. Oh wait, wait, wait! Oh, the the Tolkien, the film, <laughs> the film. Yeah, I actually saw it. Yeah. Oh, was it good? Okay. Um. Well, interesting side story. Um. I actually went. I was really. I actually had that in my calendar, like literally months, like six months before it like came out, because I was like, oh, I was like really excited. I got. I have to go to this. So I had it in my calendar. It came out in May, right? Um. You know, I told my mom about it and I was like, yeah, you know, we should go. We should go see it. So we did. We saw it opening night. We were the only two in the theater. I was going to say. <laughs> so just a fun little like side story there. We were kind of sad because we were like, how could like people not, you know. I didn't my know mom it was like, really sweet. Yeah, it's, it wasn't it was, marketed very. No kidding because I just saw it. Yeah, on, I don't think it was marketed. Probably not even that many and there probably wasn't even in that many theaters. 
Right. Well, it's true. Um, I'm sure it wasn't like, yeah. Um, we don't even have that artsy theater either in town. In other cities, it's like that one theater that only has independent films. Yeah. Yeah, but it was it was a great movie. I, I highly recommend you know going to see it. I almost rented um, it to prep for this, but I didn't have time. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty much just like most of his bio. The only thing that they don't go too in depth with, actually, they don't even go as far as when he meets C.S. Lewis. Oh, really? So it's it's actually before that. So um, it still you know gets into uh, you know World War One. You know when he served right. in there, um, and then. Like, uh, oh, well, I don't want to put any spoilers in case people want to see. But, like, at the end, you just know that, um, like, yeah, it's definitely before Lewis comes into the picture. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's it still, it was, it was a really good movie. They, they add a lot of things. I'm, I'm happy that they added some, um, you know, a lot of the things in the film. Because, you know, um, you know, it's really contrary to kind of, like, how you know, Hollywood would want to add some things like religious aspects to, you know, films and all that stuff. So but, they um, added religious aspects? Well, they, they, they included the part where, um, yeah, like where, well, okay. So I, I guess I, what I should do is just go through the bio so we know the whole like timeline. But, okay, sure. Um, so basically, all right, well, here we go. So, um, so J.R.R. Token. Drink. John, Ronald Royal Token. Drink again. <laughs> is going <laughs> to... We'll make it to the bio, I promise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he was born, all right, January 3rd, 1982 in... 1982? Yes. No. I mean, sorry. 18, 1892. That makes more sense. In, uh, yes. <laughs> in, uh, <laughs> You're all in your fucking... What a difference. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you went to school with it. <laughs> um, yes, 1892 uh, in South Africa. At that time, it was the Orange Free State, but that's South Africa. Uh, he died in September 2, um, 1973. He was 81. And he was best known as an English writer, a poet, philologist, and an academic. Um, and he also taught at two colleges in Oxford, the Pembroke and Merton College. In Oxford, uh, so he served in World War One uh, in the British Army as a lieutenant, um, and he specifically fought uh, in the Battle of Somme. Is that how you say it? Somme uh, in France. I don't know how to say it. Um, so yeah, he was he served with them for five years, basically. Um, so he his father was Arthur Ruel Token. Token. Who died in South Africa um, due to rheumatic fever, uh, and this was this was while uh, I'm just gonna say John. We know J.R.R. John. John, his brother, and his mother were living in England at the time, um, and at the time John was only four years old when his father passed away. Um, wow! I didn't realize so that. very young, very very young. They you know he lost his father. Um, his mother is Mabel uh, Suffield. So, Arthur, yeah, Ruel married Mabel Suffield. Um, let's see, Mabel, uh, she taught John and Hillary. John, Hillary was um, John's younger brother. He only had one sibling, and he was, uh, what, two years younger. 
so two years younger than um, than John. But Mabel taught them botany, uh, language, um, and a whole other you know bunch of different uh, subjects too. But one of the fascinating parts is that you know Latin was John's favorite um, uh, subject. Um, and he began reading and writing at four years old, around four years old, which is pretty crazy. <laughs> she yeah. just shows the start of, you know, get on the ball right. of that. Yeah, right. He always had a fascination with language, though. That was his thing, yes. wasn't it? That was definitely, yeah, his language, um, especially with how many different languages he constructed, you know. Right. And it, I mean, in, in Lord, I mean, well, in his, in Tolkien's universe, uh. <laughs> alone, um, uh, you know, he created so many different languages. Right. And but, if I'm not mistaken, dialects like, and all. And was it the languages came first? Didn't right. It? Is, isn't that why From he started creating the universe itself? Yeah. Was he wanted to make up languages and needed a universe he, to put them in? Yes. Like he needed a story to, to do it or an excuse to use them or something that's like that. <laughs> a way to put it into, yeah. Um, I, yeah. It's true. He was he was always really fascinated with um, like fantasy stories. Um, although he didn't really like um, he didn't like the was it like like the old classics um, at the time like oh, Alice in Wonderland. He didn't really like Alice in Wonderland. He didn't really like Treasure that's, Island. That surprised me. He was the Hobbit to me is kind of like Alice in Wonderland because it's the, the, the sense, it's, it's kind of that kiddish but, fantasy fairy tale. Um, and more playful than his other writings. Other writings are kind of dark. Right, yeah, The Hobbit is much more, yeah, much brighter. Right, right. Yeah. And that's, and that's still the chem- contemporary I, I still don't think of it as... <laughs> I don't still don't think it's as... Alice in Wonderland. I think no, it's but, because of how crazy, like, how, you know, just uh, crazy Alice in Wonderland could be. Like, how, um, I mean, <laughs> I don't know how to put it into words, uh, but, you know, just not as... Uh, what do you call it? Conventional to, um, you know, it's just really out there, basically. Oh yeah, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. You, yeah, it doesn't seem very more than the Hobbit. Kid, I would imagine kid. too, right? It's well, yeah. I don't. If you look at some of the Alice in Wonderland stuff, it's not as you know juvenile as you would think. <laughs> but then I always think because you usually go, oh well, the Hobbit's just this fun little thing, but it's like it's a little darker than you think. <laughs> Well, yes, you know, but I guess it's a well, little it gets lighter. further through the story too. Yeah, <clears throat> those, were, those were adaptations, okay. though, weren't they? Wasn't there a version? The the first version of the Hobbit was very like Gollum wasn't corrupted by a ring or. or Are you talking about the? You mean in the Hobbit? In the Hobbit, like his first writing of the Hobbit before he before he took the ring and did the Lord of the Rings. Like, Sorry, the way you Gollum. said that sounded like there's, like, different versions of the Hobbit. <laughs> well, kind of. There was a rewrite. Uh, Tolkien, was Tolkien went back and did a rewrite. So if you have a really early I'm version... I'm not even aware. Oh, right. Okay. So, no, yeah. If you have, like, a really early <coughs> version of the Hobbit, um, the way it works out is um, Bilbo goes into uh, the cave where Gollum is. They just have these uh, riddle banters like, like what we're used yeah. to. Um, but then he gives him the ring. He just hands over the ring and says, "You you beat me," and they they depart as friends. That's how that's how it ends in the original um, the original oh, telling. Oh, right. not the not the story itself, but, but the, like, that, no, that, no, but that encounter. That scene. It was more of a side thing than anything else, and and the the ring was not this ring of power, well, but it was yeah. It was just this. It was just this. Really, I've never heard of that. 
Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because then af- it wasn't until after um, after he began to take that. Uh, and actually, it was it was the fact that everybody loved the Hobbits so much, and that the um, that people wanted to know more about Hobbits that led him into writing Lord of the Rings. No, but they didn't change that. You mean, but the whole story of the the riddles and and all that riddles stuff. Riddles in the dark. The riddles in the dark were still there. Yeah, but he didn't give it to him. That's the the final riddle. Is what do I have in my pocket? And he guessed it or something. No, he didn't. It's that Bilbo found the ring. Oh, gotcha. He said nothing. Because he lost. Because it's technically a trick. It's not a good riddle. Right. Because he's just like, hey, what do I have in my pocket, you dummy? And he's like, well, I don't know what's in your pocket. And he's like, yeah, it's the ring and you don't have it. And that's how he like gets away because he wins the thing because Gollum can't figure out what he has in his pocket. And then he leaves. There's no, like, handing it over. But, yeah, in the full whole book of The Hobbit, they don't talk right. about the fact there's Sauron right. and the fact that it one way ring to rule them all. It has no power other than the fact of invisibility. So, <clears throat> if you read The Hobbit, like, like, I knew The Hobbit before I saw the movies, and I didn't read the books. And that was the thing, because before the movies came out, my dad's like, oh, you better read the books. Before the movies come out, and I was like, <laughs> and then here's my thing. Okay, side note, everybody. <laughs> I'm a big, I argue, this is my argument, even especially with Mike, my wife and stuff, is the fact is, don't read the book before you watch the movie. And everybody, I've heard this before. Yes. <laughs> this is good. You, you can listen to this stuff. My whole point of that is... Every, I have my own opinions on the movies, but... Yeah. No, no, no. Right, right, no, right. I mean, any movie. Uh-huh. Any movie that's based on a book. Oh, uh, okay. I mean, I know what you're going to say, I think. But. Okay, well, here's how it goes. <laughs> Everybody, when you, want, when you read the book, or if you watch the movie, mm-hmm. you enjoy the movie. Right? You're like, oh, that was a pretty good movie. Then you go and read the book... And then there's all this other stuff. And to me, yep. that's like, that's the director's cut. They got all this extra stuff. <laughs> yep. there's extended all edition, extended, extended edition. <laughs> exactly. Because Beyond. there's all, if you've ever listened to anybody who's read a book <laughs> and then they watch the movie when it comes out, I mean, they're like, oh, it wasn't as good as the book. Well, right. no, duh. Because you got to take a 400-page book and put it into an hour and 45 minutes. Intense, yeah. You know? It's right. never as good. And then you already know how the movie ends. And and I know, and I don't know how, like, you guys are much more booky than I am. But, like, to me, if... I don't think I am. Well, <laughs> you probably are. <laughs> I'm very low on books. But <clears throat> to me, it's like, if I know how the book's kind of going to go, it's easier for me to read it. But, like, if I know how the movie's going to go, I'm going to be like, well, now I already know when it ends. <laughs> you know, I don't want to mm-hmm. do that. But if I watch the movie and I'm like, whoa, that was cool, and then I'll read the book. You know? I'm going to be, like, excited and entertained. Yeah, I almost never hear like, anybody who read the book <laughs> and is like, oh, well, the movie was so much better. You know? True fact. It's true. It is. But then, so I keep, I keep fighting because I have an argument with Lisa all the time because she says you got to read the book first. I'm saying that's dumb. <laughs> But the other thing, too, is, you know, or else the other thing with that. Um, let me read the book. It's just, oh, it, and it doesn't count if, like, the book came out so long ago and you've already read it because it was a new book. And now they're making a movie, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But, or they make a book after the movie. 
not not oh you did the, the novelizations yeah <laughs> right. yeah I you told know. that to Lisa too she's like novelization is not a real thing I'm like yes it is just a, <laughs> yeah. they write it on I, I wish I could give an example play. yeah. Oh yeah, I got the the 1989 Batman book. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh yeah, I still got it somewhere. That's awesome. It's a novelization on the movie. And when we, when I was a kid, we went to see Batman in the theater, and my grandpa didn't go. I don't know why. But then he read the book, and he read the book like in the weekend. And he's like, "Well, that play didn't last long in it." And I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> you know." So like, that's just my whole thing. So when I I knew the Hobbit story pretty well, and then I went to the movie, and I didn't know anything about Lord of the Rings. And then, well, I'm watching it, and they're talking about on how powerful the ring is, and this and that. I'm like, why? It's just some <laughs> stupid little magic make you invisible ring. Because that's all it was. Right. But the but the thing is, the way it goes in the um, the lore of the ring itself, the ring of power, is that um, the people who ended up having it, like the Hobbits, whenever they had it. They couldn't wield it. That's why they just turned invisible. They didn't have it, it all depended on who was, whose hands it was in. That's why when Tom Bombadil had the ring, yes, um, it didn't do anything for him. He didn't right. turn invisible. In fact, he made the ring disappear and reappear like it was a magic trick right. or whatever. Yeah, it was. even if he wore it, yeah, it, wasn't, it didn't matter. But that's all in Lord of the Rings, the book, right? All right. My so point is, it's like Star Wars. If you watch <laughs> Star Wars, you go like this. Oh, they're not meant to be brother and sister. Oh, this isn't supposed to be like this. All that's changed. He's not really supposed to be his dad. All that stuff changes later. So all those interviews when Luke is like, ah, now this is all planned out from the beginning. Well, that's wrong. So I don't even think Tolkien said, oh, this is going to be the ring of power when he's writing The Hobbit. Oh, no, he didn't. No, that's my point. (laughs) That's back to my point. Is all that stuff you're talking about is all... Is all um, uh, retroactive, you know, re- recon is recon in yeah. this situation. Yeah, that's basically what he did. He went yeah. back and and then he did a rewrite to that Gollum scene in um, in the Hobbit. But see, I don't think they rewrote the Gollum scene. Is what I'm saying because I don't think I'm pretty sure he did. I'll have to um, right. I'll, I'll have to find. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in because I really find it. That's like the special editions of Star Wars, <laughs> <laughs> whereas all of a sudden it didn't end this way. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Because I think that's what it was. It was the fact that Colin was like more monstrous back then too. But I I think that's kind of like, like ingenious, like just not ingenious, but more genius in a way, like with the Hobbit, you know, when the ring isn't like really as emphasized as being like important, as important as it really was. Right. Or as it is, um, depending how, you know, how, you know, what time period we want to look at it. But, yeah, it's, you know, and that's part of the reason, like, with Tolkien, like, all of his other works, right? Like, uh, everything in the Silmarillion, all the, all the even things that predates, right? There's so much that he, you know, he didn't have enough time to finish, right? Right. You know, mm-hmm. and that's where Christopher, uh, one of his sons, really, really oh, comes into yeah, play. That's right. You know, if it wasn't for his son for really taking all of that, all of his works and even his drafts and everything of this to try to readapt it and, and kind of complete it in a sense, um, you know, wouldn't have that sort that same feeling of finality and like, 
um, you know, just completion of of his whole universe, basically. Right, because uh, the fourth, the fourth um, era or fourth age, fourth age, age, it's not complete, Cajun right? Man. It's right, it's not complete. Christopher did. Um, yeah, Untold was it the, tales or the treason of Isengard? Well, no, no. Um, oh, oh shoot, guard. There's. <laughs> there's a, I, I believe him out. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm pretty good. <laughs> there was. No, because Christopher did come out with a, uh, a a book on the fourth age. I just it escapes my mind right now. I don't know. I can't remember what it was called. Um, I don't know if it was that or not. But um, where yeah, it kind of completes that. You know, after the ring is destroyed, right? And um, uh, you know where <laughs> yeah, it's all good old Legolas and Gimli sail sail the seas and together it, as good I was going to say, wasn't that in the end of it just ends end of Return of the King with that? In the companion or the the appendix or something, when they talk about Gimli and them, I think oh. so, and I think that's why Christopher. Basically, what Christopher has done and what he's doing is he's expanding like uh, oh. pieces of that, like so the end of the Third Age and the Fourth Age, and also the Silmarillion, like so pieces within the Silmarillion. That's why you're seeing books like um, like the uh, the story of uh, Beren and Luthien coming out like and they're they're much more expanded than its actual you know chapter piece in within the Silmarillion um which you know I mean if for for some of those like heavy critics they say like well you know why would you just expand more of what's already there you know in the Silmarillion but um what his his whole philosophy and idea is to really just try to make it its own story within the Silmarillion because the Silmarillion is just like kind of like a collection of of pretty much the history, you know, dating all the way from before the first age that, you know, the, the creation of Arda and of all the, um, you know, all the beings, um, and everything to the end of the second age, right. Into, you know, the middle earth, you know, um, third, you know, the third age with middle earth and all that stuff. So do, do that for us. Cause I don't think most of the people that, uh, um, that, that listen, the, the 70 people or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 70. <laughs> we have 70 downloads. Nice. So, um, I don't think, um, I don't think most people know like the ages, like what we're talking about and where Lord of the Rings fits into all of this and, and um, and all that. So can you, can you kind of give us a, um, a really brief bird's eye view of <laughs> the, the ages. Aerial shot. It's like um, periods of three thousand years. I know. Yeah, it, this is, and I am, gosh, I'm no expert, and there's so much that I have to, you know, still brush up on in the Silmarillion because so much happens. So much happens, especially in the Second Age. You know, we think we look at the Third Age, which the Third Age is when we really focus more on Middle Earth, right, and you know, uh, the ring of power and, the dest- and, and destroying the ring, right? But the Second Age... That's where they made the, the rings, right? Other than the ring of power, I don't think it's mentioned in the Second Age, is it? Right. Melkor, I mean, yeah, okay, I so... Melkor. I know, this, this okay. is going to get... Real quick, the ages are... Let's go get nerdy real quick. The ages are just time periods. It's like... Yes. It's like sets of years. So, like, mm-hmm. there's a couple thousand years... 
and when there's an event or whatnot, and then that's the end of your first of age. age. Right. Then there's another thousand couple. Just like couple the bronze thousand. age and the iron age. Yes. <laughs> and then you have your done with your second age. And then roughly, I think the battle where Sauron is defeated is the beginning of the third age. Of the third age. Or something, or roughly around then. And then mm-hmm. the, the end of the third age is the end of Mordor. Of, of Return of the King. Yeah, and the destruction Ar- of the ring. And when Aragorn and everybody becomes... Yes, exactly. And when, yeah, you gotta drink that. Becomes the king <laughs> of Gondor. Wait, no. <laughs> no, you gotta drink that. <laughs> you know, and that begins the fourth age, and that's the whole stuff where we're talking about where like, the fourth age is like the stuff they don't really talk about mm-hmm. because it's all the stuff they didn't, they didn't really go on from there. Right, right. So, um... But we can't which, go too deep in the old days. No, I mean, the second... Uh, I don't... I mean... Yeah, because it's kind of hard to say when the second age really, like, ends. I mean, if, yeah, the third age begins more so, yeah, when Sauron is defeated as, you know, we know. Obviously, like, his spirit, his soul is still there. But um, the second age just includes so much, like, you know, when the elves come to be, when they start inhabiting, um, you know, the land of Beleriand or whatever. Um Ah. Again, this again, this can get really like really detailed, but um, but okay. So basically, it's from the start, um, you know, with the first age, that's when the world, the world is called Arda, is created, um, and the the overseer or um, you can equivalent the you know God, God, basically God Eru Iluvatar, is is you know at the peak of of all of this, and he. Basically creates these the the I uh, which is the Ainur, um, which are the angels like the angels basically yeah. yes the angels these um, the, the, the children of Iluvatar right and they're all assigned certain tasks and they they have these certain their these certain skills basically of what they're supposed to do um, in overseeing the creation of Arda um, and so within them they're called the Valar. And there are the greater valor, and then there's also the lesser valor. They're like demigods. Um, yeah, pretty much. And um, um, so uh, basically, and and that's and that's where that's where you know an individual can really start to see similar like parallels between that. Um, you know, maybe not to the T, but um, to kind of like you know our you know the the theology of it, right? Um, um, basically certain ones are in, in charge of being guardians of certain, certain people or certain things of middle earth, certain Mm -hmm. creations and all that. Um, so, uh, and yeah, I mean, I don't really know how, how, how deep, you know, how far we need to get into this. We can but, go uh, as deep as you want. Because and well, edit anything. You, you can, yeah, but you we can don't want to do a whole, you can do a, <laughs> still gotta go you can do a whole podcast on one character. One, that's one, true. You could, oh, you know, yeah. it, we could just, have a whole really, podcast. Really involved. Just do but, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, or the rings minute. But, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, what's important is to know that Melkor, Melkor was a valor. He was a greater valor, and um, explain what Melkor is. And and Melkor basically was, you know, one of the I know, one of the children of Iluvatar. He was um, uh, he was an individual who, um, what was it? I don't know if he was. It was in charge of 
forging, but he was a very powerful um, Ainur. Um, but he he became unsatisfied with his role, basically, as, ah. as an Ainur, as a Valar. Didn't like and it. he wanted he 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 wanted more control. He wanted more power over mm-hmm. you know what he could do and everything. He wanted to create his own, basically, his own um, uh, world. And this is where, in, in yes. my opinion, this is where you can really parallel that too. Um, <laughs> gets cast out of Middle Earth and goes to hell. Yeah, right. Well, <laughs> like one third of the Valors with him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> you know where this is going. No, it's it. But, I mean, not I've never heard this story not before. Quite as a, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, um, Sorry. I didn't mean you know, to be that guy. No, no, it's good. Oh, I'm totally that guy. It totally, but no, it totally, it totally starts to remind you of the, the you know, the whole um, right. story of Lucifer wanting more power, wanting to be more powerful than, you know, Iluvatar probably himself. Um, so, um, you know, when they, when all the Valor started to realize that, you know, he had these really, um, you know, evil, uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, you know, ideas and everything. Um, he was cast out as a traveler, and that's when he be. That's when they began calling him uh, Morgoth. So he was no longer like Melkor. They called him Morgoth. Um, you know, because of you know just the fact that he wanted to control and manipulate and pretty much just control all of Arda. Um, and all that so um yeah and, and i'm not i'm, I'm not quite uh, i don't re- quite recall if that's you know around in the second age when you know he starts to really taint you know the lands and valerian and and, and and you know the surrounding lands too but. is he the one who took all the elves and turned them into orcs yes which is fascinating because it was basically like a mockery of mm-hmm. elves so the orcs were a mockery of elves, um, um, and that's a thing in his book, right? Mm-hmm. It, it is it, mm-hmm. that that evil is not creative; it can only mock, that right? It can only corrupt something that is that already is. It can't create anything of its own. Yes, yeah, which I think is is brilliant, and I think it's it's a great depiction of sin. Exactly, it's this idea that um, sin is is a mockery, or it's a a stealing of something good and mm-hmm. and twisting it and turning it and making it um, typically idolatrous. Like Boromir, I right. think, is a, is a fantastic example in The Lord of the Rings. Because Boromir's whole thing was that he wants the Ring of Power to do a good thing. Right. Like he wants to, he wants to save his weapon. country. He, yeah, he wants to save his people. Right. And then, um, and he wants all this, all this noble stuff. And you don't, um, and I don't think Boromir gets the the um, the credit in the films like in like in like he is in the book. Like in, he's he's very much depicted as this champion, this hero, and not somebody that you would expect right. to to be corrupted or fall. And yet this this noble thing that he wants to do to save his people um, ultimately corrupts him into this uh, look, trying to steal the ring from Frodo. Right. To the point where he would, he was probably willing to kill him at that time right. to take the ring away, and that's that's um, a, a really strong theme for uh, for Tolkien in um, in Lord of the Rings. I know that that evil doesn't create; evil can only corrupt. Corrupt, yeah, yeah. exactly. Manipulate, twist, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, 
God's creation, basically. Right. Yeah, the way it's, Satan doesn't make you do bad things, it's more like <laughs> influences you to do bad things. Mm-hmm. Tempts you. It doesn't make it, you know. Right, right. And that that's actually great that you brought that up because that is where you see... Is, Boromir is... And that's the thing. Boromir is a much... Whether, you know, um, viewers or readers realize it or not, Boromir actually... Um, is a much more important character than what people, you know, want to, you know, um, really, really think about, right? Because Boromir actually, he actually represents man, people, us, you know, the most um, in in many ways. Um, and what you were saying before, that's that's where you have this division between um, what was it, objective morality and relativism, right? He wanted to use that ring. To destroy evil. But the thing is, you know, as we know, you can't use evil to destroy evil and um, and and expect to get an outcome that is good. Right. Right. So and that's where, don't make it right. Right. <laughs> and and that's and that's exactly the point um at token, you know. <laughs> Drink everyone. Um was was really brilliant in you know in making um, and I actually have a little bit more, um, I've adapted a little bit more on Boromir's role, basically. But, um, you see here. I mean, and then that's why he represents us quite a bit and represents humanity as a whole because, because, you know, he has the, he has that same pride in him. And and the things around him that tempts him to easily tempted, mm-hmm. easily tempted exactly as 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 we all are right with the with using the ring initially to wanting to do good but right not realizing at the at the time that that's not you know that's not going to end right. well basically and the, the the neat thing about his character though is that he was chosen by Elrond to be part of that council. With with all of men, so he was like, "This is the best of us," you know, like that. That um, oh, invited to the council. Yeah, he was invited. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it like just like in Batman: The Dark Knight or whatever, where um, Harvey um, is is turned. You were supposed to be the best of us. That that's right. That, I think that that's Boromir. Boromir is supposed to be a champion, of the 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 best, uh, one of the best of humanity. This this virtuous guy, and he mm-hmm. is. Right uh, and and yet it's showing how weak we are. Right, it's showing that that the ring. The, I think one of the other things is that that it shows is that no matter who you are, um, uh, that evil evil is is extraordinarily powerful. And I think we we run to two extremes. Um, the one extreme that evil is is nothing and it's it can't hurt me or whatever. It's it's or. Oh, oh. I'm more I'm more powerful than beyond that. Yeah. I'm beyond all that, right? Or is that the the devil's greatest trick of right. contri- you know making you believe he doesn't exist? <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Or or the the other extreme is to be so afraid of evil that um, that you think that it's going to conquer uh, that it's that it's more powerful than God, right? Right. So or that it's on par with God, or it's going to be there for every little thing you do in life. Exactly. And that's, and I think, I think what he shows in there is that evil, for one, is extraordinarily powerful and not to be, not to be meddled with. 
Um, right. uh, you know, because even Frodo um, is is corrupted by the ring. Ultimately, it's, it's Frodo doesn't. He's not the hero that everybody wished he was. Like he he uh, he fails in the end. Right, he does, and yeah, <laughs> it's not it's not without Gollum's purpose, right? This this strange, you know, when you talk about you know you know the purpose of everyone or every creature, right? Yeah. That actually, technically, <laughs> it's, God's it's plan. <laughs> yeah, fits into the ring being destroyed thanks to you know Gollum being there <laughs> in a exactly. sense, right? Yeah. Um, what was that great line? Um, and I, they take it differently in the book, but it's, it's longer in the book. But it, it's even shown in the movie where he's like, um, where Gandalf is sitting there with Frodo, and he's like, um, in, uh, uh, I don't want to say where it is because it had the trick. <laughs> in, Moria, in Moria. In Moria, right? And and, uh, and they have that great conversation. It's a pity Bilbo didn't kill him when he had the chance. Pity. It was pity that stayed Bulbo's hand. Many that lived deserved death, and some that die deserve life. Can you give it to them, Frodo? Do not be too eager to deal out death and judgment. Even the very wise can see all ends. My heart tells me that Gollum has some part to play yet, for good or ill. Before this is over, the pity of Bilbo may rule the fate of men. I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish none of this had happened. So do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. There are other forces at work in this world, Frodo, besides the will of evil. Bilbo was meant to find the ring. In which case, you also were meant to have it. And that is an encouraging thought. It's also the the, the Bilbo's uh, mercy to it or something, because he said well, that, yes. that Bilbo should have killed them there. But that's the interesting part. It wasn't out of mercy, though. It was out of pity. That's and there, there's well, but and I thought that was fascinating because there's a difference between pity and mercy, right? Mm-hmm. But it was more out of pity that Bilbo decided not to kill Gollum instead of mercy. But even and, and it was out of pity too that he reaped all these rewards from taking the ring, you know, from returning home and being this like huge adventurer who you know, had all this treasure, whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, as, as Frodo was, like, in recollecting that, you know, like, why did it ever come to me? Like, what, you know, in a sense, what did I deserve to have this ring? But it was that there was a higher purpose, right? And that's what's, what's fascinating is that, like, when Gandalf really emphasized meant, he really means that something else, right, that meant for you to have it, which means... Which is, um, I mean, and to me and, and to many, you know, Christians, right, and Catholics, that, you know, something else or meant is really like God's role in, or God's um, basically whatever God's purpose is in you having something or putting you through some trial to 
um, to accomplish in life, right? And so that's where you can really parallel that to our our faith, right? Basically, right? Because it, it, in Lord of the Rings, more so than any of his other stuff, God is explicitly absent and yet implicitly, uh, I guess, permeating throughout the whole of of it because he shows up as divine providence, as chance, as this overall something is guiding um, mm. the, that, what's what's all happening here. Yeah, like yeah. how they point out the ring exactly. searching for someone. Right. And it well, that's the, lost that's that the will of the ring. Yeah. But then something happened that the ring did not intend. Mm. And that's, that's the overall divine providence that's occurring um, throughout the Lord of the Rings. Right. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to play. And I... <laughs> all going to plan. Yeah. Yep. Right. And um, and that gets into uh, that gets into the whole uh, aspect of the One Ring equivalating to original sin, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which gets into uh, yet another segment. I don't know if we're staying organized here, but we're not organized. <laughs> um, um, we, we, we just kind of go. I just hold things right. set up. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you really look at the ring, I mean. You see how many are tempted by it, or in Tom Bombadil's case, he's not tempted, right? right. But and that's yet another part to subject. But anyway, um, you know, the ring really does. If you really think about it and, and look at the different um, the different occurrences within the book, you know, or within the movie of what happens, you really do start to make that connection that the ring is. You know, related to sin is synonymous right. with sin, right? Um, and the more you use it, right, the more it, it, it corrupts you, the more it takes hold of you. Mm-hmm. Frodo is a perfect example of that, right? When, when you know, as as you travel further along with him, and you see how much you know, how he's carrying it, how you know, how how much he has it in in possession, that it starts to really um, tempt him further. Right. To want to keep it, right? Especially at the, you know, the end scene and everything. Um, uh, let me think. I was thinking, trying to think of something else too, part of that. Um, and, and and here's another interesting thing. You know how like when Frodo puts on the ring, or even Bilbo at this, you know, right? They disappear. Mm-hmm. And in in many ways, that's that's an interesting symbolism for escaping or not escaping but being driven away from the light like and love that god created that makes sense when when frodo puts on that ring it, you see you see how like the ring race are able to find him right mm-hmm. when right. he puts on the ring well you also see how the dark lord right sauron or at least his spirit is able to see him when he puts that on it's like when you're putting on the ring you're putting on sin so it's, what's fascinating about that is, is, is like even Gollum is a perfect example. You know, it's like when you, you know, he, you know, putting on that sin for so long and, and, and being so, um, what do you call it? Indulged with that, with the ring and just so, you know, possessive and just separated. It becomes precious right. to him. It becomes idolatrous. <clears throat> right. He, he, he totally changed it. I mean, more than, you know, just mentally, but physically, obviously. Mm. But what's fascinating about that is it's like, that symbolism is 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 genius because it's like you know when when that ring is put on it like it pulls you away from all that and further to 
the darkness, right? Where the dark ward basically can see you and, and, you know, can have his grasp, you know, you know, can grasp you easier, you know, more easily, basically. So I think that's a really interesting concept that Tolkien decided to, decided to include, yeah. right? Um, but yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. I gotta like try to like organize all of these, you know, thoughts because it's easy to just kind of start rambling about different parts to it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but um, but what I liked about um about Lord of the Rings versus something like Narnia, nothing against Lewis. Lewis is brilliant. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, I'm probably a bigger Lewis fan than I am a Tolkien fan. Drink, mm-hmm. sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, but one thing that I really loved about Lord of the Rings was that it wasn't like a direct allegory um, like Aslan is in, in Lewis's book. Uh-huh. Um, it's more, Christ is more, he, uh, God permeates throughout all of Lord of the Rings, but he's very hidden, almost like Old Testament. Like you have the Old Testament typologies like, um, like Adam's, or Adam's, uh, um, Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac is, is a depiction of Christ, right? Cause, mm-hmm. you know, he has his, um, his one beloved son and they're walking up the, the mountain, uh, Moriah that is near, um, that ends up becoming called Jerusalem, right? And he's carrying the wood on his back and he's going to be like, where's the sacrifice? Oh, God will provide the Don't sacrifice worry. himself, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's this. I guess I'll find it uh, at the top here. And, right, right. It's, <laughs> And it's it's that um, it's that almost but not quite that is so brilliant about about Lord of the Rings, yeah. Because each one of the characters is Christ like a little bit. Yes. Anybody that that um, exemplifies virtue or self sacrifice or all, all these all these pieces. They, I mean, there's so much about them that is like Christ. Yes. But at the same time, there's so much that's not like Christ. And the right? most Christ-like they are is they focus on food and drinking. That is true. <laughs> food and drinking is a big thing. Which actually, one thing that um, I, I mean, I love the films. I don't know what your what your feeling is about the films, but I love the films. Mm-hmm. Um, but my one thing about the films is the Lambus bread. Lambus, <laughs> yeah. And, and what upset me in the film is like. Um, it's only mentioned. I think it's only mentioned once in the films. Is it mentioned more than Couple. once? I, and I remember it's mentioned in groaning. It's like Sam is like, "We got some Lambus bread," and then the, and then from no, because like, they originally talk about it when they get it. I think. Okay, I don't remember that. Yeah, and then because I know, um, Legolas is like, "Ah, oh, Lambus bread. It's gonna." You know, this will it keep satisfies, you yeah, for you yeah. for it's, like a day or something, and then it renews the soul. It sustains a man yeah. for a day, and, yeah, yeah, right. Because Legolas the has a drop know. line to right. try to explain what it is, and then later in Two Towers, <clears throat> you know, that's where Sam's like, "Oh, look, we got lamb's bread, oh, and oh lamb's bread, yeah, and exactly. more of this crap, right?" Because to them, it's like. It's like eating rice cakes, right? Well, and that's filling what, rice cake. But, okay, this is, but that's the interesting part about it is, like, if you want to look at kind of more of the deeper meaning with lamba spread, right? It's supposed to fulfill just even a tiny piece, right? I mean, token. I mean, 
Is that Drew Perez? Yeah, it is definitely mm-hmm. Drew Perez. Like Sorry. even it's described. No, it is. That's all I took that from. No, me. you're totally fine. No, but that's that's. I I truly believe that's where he was going with it. Oh, absolutely. Um, and here's the thing. I mean, even if you were to look at the host as the or the Eucharist as just some piece of bread. I mean, in a sense, if you really think about it, it's like the hobbits just look at it as food, right? But this is like nourishment beyond just food, right? Right. Like the body of Christ is more than just, you know, a piece of bread. It's more than just the host, you know, something you eat, right? As we believe. And and the fascinating thing is the elves, they recognize that, but only because of, you know, from their past and how they're created. Right. You know, the elves are immortal, right? And they... they, they um revere you know all that was you know brought in the beginning all that was created and 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 you know given to them so they like the hobbits don't really have the same kind of concept as the elves do right they're not in, as in, in that educated sense. to or in tune to <laughs> right right and um so and, and that's that's why it, it to me like that makes perfect sense it's like it's almost like Somebody who doesn't really understand the Eucharist, you know, or like, you know, even the transubstantiation of it, it, it just like, it, it makes sense. You know, you would go up there and be like, well, I don't know why I'm, you know, this is just like a piece of bread yeah, or whatever. That's good. Yeah. You know? And, and it's not even a piece of bread. Versus Legolas, right? Who's like, right. This is Lambus bread. Like, yes. he, he says it with such like, oh, reverence. It, yeah, it goes sacred, you know? And he, and, he takes, <laughs> and he takes the whole, um, the whole description of it all and like the, the 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 majesty of how how it's described and what it does for you right yeah yeah that's great yeah. and i was just looking at each other like it didn't even fill me fill me up right. yeah but you know your soul right you know it's like it's all that you gotta be open to it yeah. <laughs> that's true open to grace, <laughs> grace. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um right there with yeah. that water fountain that's right fog <laughs> yeah but I, I, I got to say, I am pretty disappointed in the fact that Peter Jackson didn't include Tom Bombadil in the film. Yeah, I was kind of curious about that. That, I mean, and maybe, uh, I mean, I, I'm interested in what your guys' opinions are on that. But I think part of it is that he felt like it would be too confusing for most people to kind of like grasp. And in a sense, that's why Token... Yeah. <laughs> Decided to do that on purpose. Like, he, he purposely created Tom Bombadil to be an enigma, right? Right. Somebody who he didn't really want to define. Because there's no, like, there's no, like, this is def- Tom Bombadil fits this mold, this is what he is. Because he's not... Right. He's, he's the eldest, or he's the, he's older than everything, but at the same... Right. But he, he's not an angel, but he, he's also not God. He's also not the incarnation of God, which mm-hmm. he is. So he, he's that weird... Santa Claus like character. Right, That's yeah. a great one, Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah, he reminds he me of that. A new Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah. No, but if you think about it, I mean, I totally understand from a filmmaking point of view. It's it's the it's beginning. way confusing. But even though it's still even with the pacing of the movie, that's true. You because well yeah because. <laughs> yeah yeah I, and, and trees and not to get on trees and not even to get on on a what's it called a a holds you know, get off our theological way we're thinking, but my whole thing with the, you know, Lord of the Rings movies is I think they're like perfect adaptions to movies from the books because 
like we were talking about earlier, if you were to take the Lord of the Rings and adapt it like pretty true, you have to do it like a miniseries. Right. Because it's paced so slowly. Right. Because it's like in the movie, you know, you have to have all your setup and you got about a half hour of everything before like the journey even begins. You know? But when it begins, it begins. And all of a sudden there's Mary and Pippin and Ring Race and boom, stuff's going on and they're in Bree before you even Bree. Got a drink. Francie Pony. So, you're brief before you know it, right? <clears throat> but in the book, it's like, okay, all this happened, it's been years, and this and that, and so you're going to have to go on this quest. Okay. Yeah, but you should move to the edge of town. Okay. And have a yard sale. Okay. And bring your cousin along. Okay. And do this. All right. That's real slick. Nobody will know you're leaving. <laughs> then when you get on the adventure, you'll see some else. Oh, cool. We're going to hang out and have something to eat. Then we're going to do this. Then we're going to do that. Then we're going to do this. Then we're going to do that. And then it's like, holy smokes, this would be two episodes before you get to breathe. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah. And then there's the whole part with Tom Bomberville before you get there, too, because that's when he gives them, you know, it's even the thing where he gives them the swords. Where in the movies they're just like Aragorn's like here I got these extra yeah, swords I got take them. yeah right. guess what they're all small too perfect <laughs> I knew you guys were coming yeah so and somehow mean, magic could get sting <laughs> right you know well those. no he didn't get actually sting. no you're right no, he didn't get sting till Rivendell yeah so. you're right yeah but the other parts too it's just even just other yeah. things what yeah <laughs> so. Because Aragorn gave them the swords at Weathertop. <laughs> so, but um, back to the point, too, it's like other points that I like to say is like when when Frodo gets nah. stabbed with the Marvel blade and he's all like, oh, I'm so sick. And then in the movie, it's like, oh, Adam. Let's get him some some roots and twigs or and right, and, right, right. And, and weeds and wrap it up <laughs> and then put it on first aid style and it's like excuse me king's foil yes it's king's, king's foil, foil. <laughs> thank you <laughs> I know get it huh? right Neil yeah, get it right I know I'm usually that guy too. <laughs> and it's like they get it up and it's like get him on horseback and ride your all the way to Rivendell. Drink again. And <laughs> go our way. Go. <laughs> yeah, and then it's Arwen instead of, what, Dwarfingle or something? Yeah. Because they made a composite character. But <laughs> then it's like Arwen's there and she races all night and gets there like in a matter of hours, right? But in the book, it's like, ah, oh, stab. All right, put him on the horse. We're going to ride. Slow and steady wins the race. Okay, boy, it's been like four or five days, and Frodo still looks pretty crappy. Oh man, let's ride some more. Oh man, then they meet Torfingal. That's his name, right? I can't remember. Okay, well, the elf that's not Arwen, and he's like, "Hey guys, let's come this way." And then they ride some more, and they're like, boy, Frodo's looking really bad. We better start hurrying up, because it's only been two weeks that he's been <laughs> riding there. And I'm like, because I remember, you know, like I said, like right. I, I actually did all this on books on tape. Nice. Yeah, I did all that painting my uh, my aunt's. My aunt's condo. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I'm listening to this whole thing. I'm like, 
In the movie, this was done in like 10 minutes. I can't believe it's taking so long. I mean, like, it looked like he was going to die. Like, it's like poison control had to come out and pump his stomach or something. But, like, this is like... It's called septic. Yeah. <laughs> and in, like, the book, it's kind of like, ah, I think we'll I cut it. my finger. Oh, now you have an infection. It may be gangrene, but we can still save you. But it's a... Uh, it's so slowly paced. Yeah. So not- I could see... Yeah. Yeah, you could see it. You know, right, I right, could right. see like, on how yeah, that's why I, I love yeah. Yeah. I love the movies because it does it paces it out so much faster. It gets there so fast. Mm-hmm. The only thing I don't like is it's paced too fast in the very beginning. So when Gandalf leaves, um he leaves uh Frodo or Bilbo's birthday and goes to Gondor. That's me. That's and me. <laughs> and reads the books and then goes back up to see uh, Bilbo and Sam or when they're leaving the Green Dragon. Do I have to drink that Green Dragon? Or? Yeah. That's a right, specific place. So when they're leaving <laughs> there. Pippin yeah, here. <laughs> and they're sitting and he says bye to Rosie and everything and he gets back to the they get back to the house. It looks like, ah, uh, that's maybe like two or three days. Where, like, in the book, it's like, oh, it's been like five years or something. You know, <laughs> yeah, then it took yeah, them that yeah. long. And also, a ride, a drive, uh, a ride from Riven, or not Rivendell, sorry, the Shire to Gondor, back to the Shire, with also hunting for Gollum all over the place. Right. right. Oh, gosh. Oh, man. Yeah, well, it's, in the, it's in the there. Atlas, where Gandalf, it shows on how Gandalf is like going crazy. Trying to find Gollum. And that's like, all between going from Gondor, figuring out that Gollum in the ring. Oh, that's that ring? Oh, crap. And now i got to go look for Gollum. Oh, but I can't find him because he's stuck in Mordor. And right. then, <laughs> then right back. But in the movie, I thought that was like in a day. Right. <laughs> Yeah. You well, know, so it is easy to feel like it was just a day, right? Right, but they didn't Hollywood show the... the way they do I know, but they also didn't show things. the passage of time as well. Like, we're in, in other movies where they could show one scene to another, and it looks like, oh, that's probably about a few weeks later. This one, like, looked like that. That was my only problem with, with time, because I, after learning the story, I'm like, oh, this is so... Yeah. Well, sense of time... Yeah, is much different. That's that's for sure. Oh, between the books and the movies, and just in general, the way you you know you're perceiving it too, like, um, yeah. What? Oh, speaking of time, one thing I think is really cool is uh, this, this is a personal note is in the book. I think they only mention like two dates that I can really think of, and. It's funny that my dad was really into Lord of the Rings stuff, like, way back in the day. And and my sister and my birthdays are actually called out in the books. Oh, Wait, really? <clears throat> which was... Because when Frodo wakes up in Rivendell... Mm-hmm. Have a drink. After, after, the, <laughs> after being stabbed and everything, oh, it's October 24th. Are you remembering? <laughs> oh, yeah. October 24th? Yeah. That's my sister's birthday. Okay. And they even mentioned that in the movie. And not in the movie, but in the book, I think they point out it's either right around or right before or after or the day of the flooding of Isengard. It's March 5th, which is my birthday. March 5th. Okay. So I'm like, oh, wow. Isn't October the 24th one of the release dates for either the English or the American version of Lord of the Rings on publishing in 1955 or 1956 or whatever? Seems familiar. Or... 
I could. I know one of them was in October, but I, I, Google I didn't. I didn't bring. I didn't bring my other book with me. So but if you look in the atlas, they show dates on where things you that's know cool. on where right. they are in the, the journeys. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. But well, yeah, but I do recall, you know, when you watch the movie, he says October twenty fourth. That's Adam cool. Does, and then later in the book, they were pointing out, oh, it's March the fifth, and they're, you know, maybe that's when uh, the um, the what would you call the group? Was a the Aragorn Legolas Gimli group? Coming from Helm's Deep, getting to Isengard, showing up at the end, when it's just like, oh, you guys must have had a battle too, you know? <laughs> it's like, smoking pipe weed! Yeah, feasting and drinking, or smoking, smoking. or something. <laughs> yeah, but it was like the smoking yeah, was the was last really thing. He's like, he's like <laughs> eating and drinking and smoking weed! <laughs> 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 there's uh, there's there's actually a really good meme on that part that part. Is oh, really? How high are you? Yeah, Gandalf asks him. How high are you, right? Oh, he's, totally. he's telling Mary and Pippin. He's asking Mary and Pippin, and Mary's just like, "No, Gandalf, it's high. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> Not how high are you? <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Hi, how are you? It's like, <laughs> um, oh. speaking of dates, um, you know when the do you know what date the ring was destroyed? Oh, interesting. No, yes. I don't. This, this is this uh, actually. This is actually, what? Thirty twenty one. Well, I mean, oh. not year per se, but like the the. Sorry, I just saw that there was three hundred three thousand and twenty one days <laughs> or years. No, no. it's destroyed on March twenty fifth. Oh, neat! That's the Passion Date. That's yes. Good Friday. Isn't oh. that isn't that fascinating? That's fantastic. Wait, how is that? Our, how is that Good Friday? Like, is that a did so, they say it should have, or that it was the crucifixion of right, our the Lord? Crucifixion, the, the crucifixion of Christ traditionally happened. The original, the very first one, was on March twenty fifth. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, and that's where the whole. I was like, you know, that's yeah. all determined by Easter, right? Right. Well, because right. yeah, the d- date moved like Good Friday, right? It moves. It flows now. But originally, that was that's that that's the believed date. March twenty fifth is the date of uh, of Christ's death. Um, and what's what's interesting about that is is that um, that was the original feast date of the um, of the Annunciation, right? Yes, and that's oh, feast of get, the Annunciation. That's where we get our Christmas date. A lot of people think that we picked Christmas because there was some pagan holiday in there, uh, like near there, the winter solstice on December twenty first or whatever. Oh, yeah. But that's actually not the case. It was actually the reason why we have December twenty fifth. Is because the church, since ancient of days, celebrated the Annunciation because it's part it's part of canon of scripture, and so the Annunciation celebrated on the uh, on March twenty fifth, and um, therefore has, nine months later is December December twenty fifth, and so that's uh, is, the, um, is the Annunciation still celebrated as the twenty fifth? Yep. Okay. I was going to say because I know it's around that. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the uh, um, I read too. That in the Catholic Encyclopedia too, it's also the same. And tell me if I'm wrong, but the same date as the fall of Lucifer. Oh, uh, that pattern? would be interesting. So, or do they 
do that just to be they just poetic. probably just do that yeah, to be I'm not really sure part of that because that's not going to be that's not going to know what day of the week anyway. it was when that happened <laughs> right right like Ask God. wait I gotta die first okay because <laughs> if, if you want to go biblical with timeline um, the fall had to have happened sometime after the sixth day uh, or maybe even the seventh day if you want to push it of creation because in the sixth day after I would all say the creation seventh. Jesus because everything was set up. Yeah, God said everything was very good. And yeah. then afterwards, um, the seventh day of rest. So maybe the seventh day or maybe the eighth day, um, you're going to you're gonna count the fall somewhere in there if you want to do that biblical. Yeah, yeah, or you want to try to follow the timeline. But the uh, the first the, the author of the first chapter of Genesis isn't <laughs> typically, like he's, his goal is not to follow a specific timeline. Mm-hmm. So it's not, um, uh, yeah. yeah. But to 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 give the date of the fall loose for March twenty fifth, it's very poetic. But I don't know that, it, that it's to, we know totally yet. No, right, right. Say, especially yeah. with how much God changed the calendar in the Old Testament. I was going to say, and the fact that there was no Julian calendar at the time. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The fact that there wasn't That's even the pre-Julian true. calendar where they didn't even have the first two months or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, the calendar's mm-hmm. gone through a lot of formation. Yeah, That's my other podcast you know, we could do. Oh, we could do the Gregorian calendar. Only oh, nerds man. would think that's cool. This, this podcast is going to get real nerdy real fast. Yeah, I literally, I literally <laughs> talked about that the other day because if you take your iPhone that I know, if you and you go to the calendar part, you can actually go like a million years in the future if you keep pushing. Really? It yeah. Well, I don't know about a million, but because the thing too, because of the Gregorian calendar versus the Julian calendar, where the idea is <clears throat> with the Julian calendar. Uh, you have to throw a leap year every four day, every four mm-hmm. years to keep that the the fact that it's not a whole three sixty five to get around the sun, right? But the fact is, it's not is it's not three sixty five point two five, right? It's less than that. But the fact is, so what they did is every year that is divisible by one hundred, there is no leap year, right? But every year that is divisible by 400, there still is a leap year. So the idea is it's not the 365.25 because you have to take three of those leap years and get rid of them every 400 years. Yeah. But what's funny is in the year 2000, on on February 28th, the year 2000, something happened that only happens every four year, or 400 years. But nobody noticed it because it's the exact same thing that happens every four years. It's having a leap year because 2000 is divisible oh, by 400. Right, right. So we had so a we leap had year. leap year because it's not fitting in. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Why? Awesome. The fact that it only happens every 400 years. Yeah, we, know, we didn't notice but it. But nobody noticed That's it. That's interesting. So if it was the year. I didn't even think about that. That's funny. Yeah. So in the year 2100. Right. We're not going to have, have a leap year when we always do. So or you'll we'll be, be like, oh, exactly. <laughs> so maybe we miss <laughs> that. But we actually experience something that's less, ra- that's more rare. Right. But it's also more common. Common, right. Because the secret to tell you guys, I'm a Highlander. <laughs> Part of the Dunedain. <laughs> Oh, so you'll live a lot longer. You must be, yeah. No. yeah you were hanging out with my grandpa. You must be a hundred years old. <laughs> so, oh, there. <laughs> yeah, so I was talking about that because if you look through the calendar, 
on your phone and go uh-huh. to the year 2100, there's no February 29th. Well, that's kind of cool that you can do that. But if you go all the way up to 2400, there is. There is. That makes sense. And it's like, oh, that's kind of cool. That's so cool. I was literally talking about that and to the girl at work, and she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, because she's, like, she's like, who knows this? She's like, who knows this stupid <laughs> stuff? And I'm like, well, I do. I don't know. Before Google was a thing, we were cool. <laughs> Oh, totally. Google really wrong. Because my cousin tells so many stories of the fact that he's like, when I was at work and you have an argument, and then I'd call Neil, and then I'd be like, hey, who was in this movie? Oh, this guy, this guy. I told you he was in that movie. Oh, okay. Is that all you wanted? Yeah. Click. And now it's like, now you just go on your phone, and you're like, cast of Ferris Bueller. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Yep. The, the magic uh, is gone. Gosh. So, looking at all of um, looking at the the Lord of the Rings or Tolkien's stuff in general, Tolkien, what's um, what's the point of it all, or what makes you what makes you love it? What makes you what what draws you in? Man, that, that, I mean, that's kind of a hard thing to answer just simply, but. Um, What's, what's interesting about it is that before I even really started diving into the deeper meaning of Lord of the Rings and, and Tolkien's universe in general, and even like actually understanding or reading up on his past and even his belief, right? It, there was just something about it that, that just really kind of grabbed hold, um, you know, in his stories and I can't exactly really pinpoint that. Um, but the more and more that I dive into his works, like it just, it, it makes me hunger for more on what he, you know, what he really, like what he may have really meant or what he wanted, you know, people to really like seek out in his works. Um, and I think what makes it even, even more like, like gold to me is how he really incorporated a lot of his, his Catholic beliefs into his, into the story and into, into the whole token universe, um, into the whole, you know, Arda. Oh, I, you know, I mean, cause he's written other works. So I guess it'd be more, um, appropriate to say like, you know, maybe his works with Arda, right. The world, the middle earth and, so everything that that encompasses it um and to me like to me that th- it kind of like makes it even more special in a way being also a catholic as well um but um also just kind of at the same time naive to maybe what he really wants people to get out of it and maybe even christians and catholics out of it um um, I know he 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 didn't per se really want to make it like like you were saying before, Neil. Um, make it so like adamantly like Christian or Catholic. Or actually, you were saying that. Yeah, Neil, I'm too overtly like, with like C.S. Lewis, like in comparison, definitely Lewis. like Aslan is direct Jesus. allegory to yeah, yeah Aslan, Aslan, right? Made Jesus this and that. Um, and I think that that part of the mystery, um, but not making it so like clear cut is what really like fascinates me and draws me in more. Um, yeah, that's more slow. Right. Yeah. So, 
I like like you're correct because like even me watching the movies and things like that <clears throat> in the early two thousands, I was very I don't want to say like very Catholic at the time, but I was like very involved in church and stuff. So it's like if it was something like you're talking about more Narnia, is I would have been like, I get this. Like when I saw <laughs> ten things I hated about you, and I'm like, this is just like Taming of the Shrew. <laughs> <laughs> And my girlfriend's like, that's the point of the movie. Yeah, and I'm like, it is Tatum that's not true. what the commercials sold me. <laughs> but, yeah, so I didn't know. It was like, it was way, I didn't even know it had, like, Catholic undertones or anything until years later. Right. Me and me, too. Um, what's funny is because, like, uh, Nicholas, you, you guys know Nick. Nick, Nicholas. Yeah. It's his I brother. Mean, he's, yeah, my, my older brother, by the way. He, you know, he's the one who really brought more of that in and um you know before the movies i remember i i was I was getting really excited and he was talking about it it's like you know the movies are coming out and um that's when i really started getting more involved in it and um and uh what do you call it you know and then after watching the movies you know consecutively right because they came out each year right one a year that's the way to do it and you know that that's the fact the fascinating part is that I mean, there's so much out there. There's so much music out there. There's so many books out there. There's so many stories. There's so much out there that, you know, may not resonate with you the same way as, say, the other story or the other song or the other album or whatever. But, and, and I feel like that's where, that, that's kind of like a mystery in its own. It's like how, how you are exposed to certain things at the right moment, right? And, and for me, um, and maybe you, you could say that, well, at the time, you know, how old I was, you know, what I was going through, you know, at school or, um, you know, my family being there, you know, I lived in Michigan and everything. We had the four seasons. So we got like the whole like different changes in temperature and, you know, all that. We got to see that, feel that. Um, maybe that impacted too on like, the way I felt about, you know, token stories and all that. Um, I'm not a beer. <laughs> um, but it just, to me, I don't feel like, um, I feel like things that really resonate with you deeply aren't just by accident. I think that certain, certain things, and even if they're just stories that, um, they do have relevance and purpose and why you get so um, enthralled and so uh, um, so involved in them. Um, so, I, I, I mean, yeah, it, it, and to me, that, I mean, that's kind of an enigma in its own. You know, why, why, why certain individuals get so hooked into certain things right. over others, right? But... Um, but yeah, and, and I think in a sense too, it makes me kind of proud knowing that like, you know, I'm Catholic, you know, that, you know, token, like whether I knew it or not, and I, and I of course didn't know it at the beginning, that he was a devout Catholic, right. that, you know, that he really did incorporate a lot of Catholicism within his works. Sure. And I think that's, that just kind of like, um, what do you call it? Reinforces and just kind of like strengthens my even my desire, my interests, my obsession over his works. You know, even more. Right. So, yeah, because you have each one of us has a particular disposition, and God meets us 
you know, exactly where we're at and speaks to us exactly the way that we need to be spoken to. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, for some people, Lord of the Rings makes that, makes that bridge or, you know, it's, it's that, that gentleness in Lord of the Rings of God is not, um, domineering in any kind of sense. He's a background character and yet still a main character. Like the, that, that providence yes. that's oh. there. Um, and I think that that's, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. How about you, Neil? What, to, um, what drew you, what, what did, what drew you to like Lord of the Rings and all that? You want to go like all the way back? Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Wherever well, it takes you. To let you know, like, as you guys know that I'm a little older. So <laughs> I really. Not by much. Well, enough. But growing <laughs> up, I, I remember on TV, they'd have the the Rankin Bass, um, Hobbit, and right. but even that. before, I remember watching that that animated movie, which was you know it's only about an hour and a half. No, not even. It's like an hour and ten minutes to watch the Hobbit. I know, yeah, the animation yeah. Hobbit, yeah, yeah, the original, yeah, yeah. Was it nineteen seventy? It's like seventy seven or seventy six or something, okay. maybe. Mm-hmm. And. Which I will look up while we're talking. But, um, <laughs> I mean, I even remember before I even remember watching that, I watched the end of Return of the King. You know, it's got to be like 83 or 4 or something. So, and my cousin Jason and I were watching it, and there's the parts where they're in Mount Doom. And it's like, okay, you're that guy, and I'm this guy. And we don't even know their names. And we're pretending we're like on the side of the mountain with a fire under us and everything. <laughs> That's cool. So, it's like stuff like that. And I remember thinking that cartoon was so cool, and then watching The, the Hobbit later. And to me, like, I thought that was, you know, the bee's knees was was that Hobbit cartoon. And that's why I really, and I still to this day have this bit, this affinity for the Hobbit itself over just the whole Lord of the Rings. Cause most people are like, Oh, well that's just that other story from before. But to me, I'm like, that's the cool one. You know? And that's like I said, when I saw Lord of the Rings, where I'm like, that's not how this was. The ring was just this. And where's Dumbo? Why is he really in this? And, you know, but, and then that's like kind of my problems with a little bit with the, uh, the Hobbit, the movies, because right. they wanted to make another trillogy. Right. They threw so much Silmarillion stuff. stuff in it, like the White Orcs and stuff. Those are all well characters that they and and, and actually quite a bit of things that weren't even in the book. Right? This is, oh yeah, it's like but they were another book. Like a lot of that stuff. Yeah, in, right. In yeah, Silmarillion yeah, stuff and like 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 it, Sorry, I hope I'm not like no 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 keep on like like uh I'll take like Azog right the yeah. the White Orc whatever. He died like years before. Yeah, like he wasn't supposed to even be in the movie. Like, <laughs> but he was, there. He is. Right? Oh yeah, like Legolas. Things like that. Legolas isn't even. even yeah, because he's not even in the book. Um, well, it um, makes sense because his dad's what's your in the name? book. Yeah, I guess that's why they. Well, you know, but I think that's where. Unfortunately, I think I think Peter Jackson kind of succumbed to too much of the Hollywood, the Hollywood aspect of it. You know, they if there's really, money to be had, let's do it. Yes. Oh, well, like, <laughs> if, they, if they're going to put, like, um, oh, shoot, what's her name? What was it? Evangeline Lily. The, the, yeah, the elf character? The Wasp. Yeah, 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 the Wasp, yeah. What was her <laughs> name in the, I can't remember. Even. No, um, I looked that up. Oh, um, and the Hobbit yeah. animated movie came out in 1977. Um, but she wasn't, she, she didn't even exist. 
No, they made fabricated, made up for, but but because they wanted more of the women, yeah, it's like, and I totally get it. Like they right. want they want you know more of the women because the Hobbit is very male dominated and right. All of them were hardly that's like true too. Any yeah. women in, 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 in any of the Lord of the Rings. In right. Lord of the Rings, um, what's it called? Arwen has such a big part. Like I told you, there's the other dwarf, the other dwarf, the other elf. Dwarfing, oh, I swear that's his name. <laughs> but, you know. Finkel? I have to look it up. Finkel or Finkel? Yeah. Finkel? He, I feel like there's. <laughs> he, he, you know, all her parts there aren't, are a different character. Yeah, and they made her that character so that Liv Tyler would have a bigger role because A, she's uh, an actress, yeah. and B, it's a woman. And right. the other part, too, is the fact is like, all all those scenes with her and Aragorn, you don't have to drink right now because you're reading. Is um, <laughs> you know, those were all added because it's like you read the book and it's like, oh, and Arwen's in the corner, right? And then it's like, okay, oh, Arwen and Aragorn are gonna get together. They're like, they're like engaged, but you know, whatever. But there's and like, yeah, not much to talk about. Don't worry about it. Well, we'll maybe we'll bring her up at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, and then the thing too, or in the end of the book, and, <laughs> and then also in the movie, she was supposed to be in Helm's Deep. She was supposed to ride with, um, who's the dude? The dude who worked for Galadriel, who was like the the one who said that he could smell, right, right, right. smell Gimli. Oh, like Haldir. Yeah, yeah, like he's yeah. not in the book either, is he? We could shoot a dwarf in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> so like, you know, when he, he, so loudly. when he shows up, she's supposed to show up too, but I think they just stopped doing that. That was originally part of it, so that mm-hmm. she was in, because she's not in Two Towers at all, but she is, because they have all those scenes of her and Aragorn and stuff, like, thinking about things and dream scenes and, <laughs> and them leaving Rivendell and all that stuff. Uh-huh. So all those scenes with her in it, you know, are just thrown in so she has more stuff. More of a role, But yeah. she was supposed to have more role at Hound's Deep. And I remember people were like, Arwen, Xena Warrior Princess? I don't want this crap and stuff. So they never did it, but... Glorfindel. What? Glorfindel. Glorfindel. So what did I say? I don't remember now. Dwarfingle. You said Dwarfingle. Oh, you said Dwarfingle. That must be my dyslexia. <laughs> Big difference. Glorfindel. Yeah, Glorfindel. Okay, so all his stuff pretty, is added to that. Pretty, so. yeah, powerful. But I guess you had Galadriel, who had a small part, and um, Eowyn. Yeah, she kind of you know, did. She had a, but she, oh, much more in the film. So, you know, I understand why they're like, hey, let's throw a girl elf in here. Because yeah. it is like a Tolkien sausage fest there. I understand. <laughs> Tolkien Sausage Fest. There you go. It's like here, you know, original Star Wars. There's one. Uh, too, many, too many doors. There's two girls in Star Wars, you know. It's Amparo and Leia. Oh, you know, that's hilarious. And then it takes... And it takes... And it takes... And then in Empire, you got, like, Torrin Farr, who just says, firing Ion Cannon. Cannon. And then Return of the Jedi, it's like, okay, other than, you know, Ula, the, sl- the slave girl, you have Mon Mothra... And then that's it. There's there's all your girls. Oh man, sorry for any other girls I'm missing right now. But. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, yeah, but I understand. It's just like I think I I feel like just personally, my own opinion. I think that's why I can't really like totally get into the Peter Jackson's Hobbit right. movies as much as Lord of the Rings, just because like like they really not... they really took what's not in the book. They really accentuated it and really like built off of it right. too much I feel 
You know, I I mean, they're still straight great away to from see. the original. Yeah, well, like like you know, I mean, Legolas alone, right? Look at how much he's in the film and how like pivotal he is right. within the film. Right. You know, same thing with the elf. You know, the um, you know, the elf elf uh, maiden, whatever. Um, she's like a really big part of the movies, right? Um, Azog, really big part of the movie. Um, so I guess I I kind of feel like, I I feel like kind of like half, you know, there and half not, you know? Um, I, I don't know, but I mean, I understand it from a movie point of view. A, if you want to pad it out to a trilogy, because I remember when it first was coming out, it was going to be the Hobbit movie. Right. Then I too. Right. And then I saw later they were gonna have the Hobbit part two, and I'm like, what the heck? Because I think this is pre Harry Potter, pre Hunger Games. When it's like we're just gonna take that last part movie and split, split it, it to two. I hate that. So I, I don't think just, they should have split into three for sure. Right. If anything, two okay, but three. Yeah, you could see that. But then what they did is they adapted other material, so it kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I do kind of like that you're saying with Azog and all that stuff. And the other, his other, you know, his first lieutenant was another orc from. I don't even know if it's the same story, you know. But they adapted all that stuff, so it's like I understand yeah. that's how like movies are made or something. Or when you take stories like um back to Tom Clancy and I do this so often. When they made Some of All Fears and the Some of All Fears book is like the fifth book. But when they made the movie, they're like, well we're not gonna get Harrison Ford back, so let's make a younger Jack Ryan. So we're gonna hire get Ben Affleck. So we're gonna make him a rookie again. And they just took the story and they readapted it. So this is his first adventure instead of being like his fifth adventure. You know, so he's not the deputy director anymore. He's just a brand new analyst. <laughs> and then they made the Morgan Freeman's character, you know, more like James Earl Jones's character, where in the book he's just kind of a jerk, <laughs> you know, so he's much more yeah. like the other one. I, so they adapted it so that it's now this is his brand new story, opposed to, you know, something like that. So, I mean, I understand I, that. I guess that. I guess that's where, like, I mean, especially these days, it's like, there's a real fine line between the movie version and the book version. So the book it's like is almost like if you're gonna have a discussion movie. on the movie version, right? Keep it to the movie. If you're gonna have a discussion on the book version, keep it to the book, right. like because otherwise it's just so vastly different. But I love them both though. When it comes to Lord of the Rings, I love the films almost as much as I love the books. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, and I do too. I but think it hurts in, The Hobbit more. Oh like yeah, the Hobbit has problems, but the Hobbit, yeah, Lord of the Rings, and 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 maybe maybe it's because I saw the Lord of the Rings before I even read the books. Like, okay. you know, when my, um, you know, before the Fellowship came out, um, I like I started trying to research as much as I could at the time, but you know, I was still like young and I didn't really know how to deal with that, and I didn't even like start reading the you know reading the Fellowship or anything. Um, so. Yeah, maybe that's why I had more of an impact watching the movies and then going into the books. Oh, and maybe man. almost like what you said. At the very beginning, very beginning of all this, like yeah. um, it's true. I, I and I and I, I've never heard anybody say that, but like it makes sense. Thank it's you. like if you're gonna if you're gonna like if there's too a bad book, his wife will never listen to this podcast. <laughs> No, but that's a really good point because books will always have more oh, yeah. than what a movie could put out. And, and and not even just because of what you put. It's actually because of what you can write 
what you're actually allowed, what authors are allowed to write in like books. Like what someone's thinking and... What they're to put is, do you have a lot more freedom oh, yeah. in writing books than you do making the films? Mm-hmm. Making the films, like, you are constrained to certain criteria, right? Like, you know, because of, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, political reasons, right. whatever you want oh, to say. Oh, even just time. Um, and time constraints. And time, yes. Yeah, or, or the fact time. that if you do too much, like, it's, it's two different media. You can't do it that way. It's just, it's like, because you can see in a movie where the guy comes in and shoots these people and stuff because he's the hitman, but then in the book you're pointing out that this is what is going through his head, right. and this is the way it looks, <laughs> yeah. and how he has to double check all that stuff. But you can and only you're already show gone it. Through, exactly. You're only going through, you're going through pages and pages of this stuff before, which is a three second scene in a movie, like you're saying, you can only show so much. Because if you were going to sit there and have an internal monologue and all this other right. stuff, it would start looking was, like an anime. <laughs> yeah, yes. it sure would. I'm and it would sure. be like, oh, oh, that's what this. that's what needs to happen. <laughs> the hot, uh, the Lord of the Rings anime. <laughs> Yeah, that would make so much more sense. Bootleg. And at least it's, yeah, and hopefully it's not like Dragon Ball Z where before every battle they have to talk about it forever. That's how it was <laughs> to be continued. The Lord of the Rings. What are you talking about? That? The, no, entire, no. the entire show. In the battle. Charging. Not, not leading up to the That's battle. That's true. Yeah. But leading but in the battle. Yeah. <laughs> But but the thing I did also like about The Hobbit too is they had all that stuff that wasn't in the book but was like referred to in the book or you find in the uh, the appendix and stuff or appendices That's true. or something appendices, like that because yeah. like that whole stuff where Gandalf meets with Galadriel and Elrond and it's like oh you know they're not in the book oh, yeah well Galadriel especially but it's like okay and that's also a reason to bring Kate Blanchett back is the idea but, <laughs> yeah. but that whole thing or when he meets up with a necromancer or with uh, what's it called Radagast no Radagast Radagast the brown you mm-hmm. know all that stuff because in the book it's like hey Gandalf where were you well I went and saw Saruman for a second but I'm back now oh okay <laughs> <laughs> And then it's like, oh, I gotta go. Oh, I'm back. Oh, good. Uh, I helped you out with those trolls. No big deal. But it's like, <laughs> but at least in the movie, it's like, okay, this is what he did. You know, here's a 15 minute scene, and this makes mm. sense. And his fight with the necromancer was Saruman. Sauron. Sauron, yeah. Yeah. And, and stuff like that. So it's like, oh, cool. So to me, I felt like that was the opposite of what I always preached of the, the book being the director's cut. I'm like, ooh, this is like the that director's the cut of the book. Yeah, right. Because this is all the <laughs> stuff. Well. That they, yeah. they, they're like, oh, we forgot about to tell you. <clears throat> but right. that's the thing. Oh, but okay. So back to where we started about 40 minutes ago is the things that I like. Okay, Dominic, I loved all your stuff talking about the Catholicism and everything like that. So I'm not even going to touch on that. But because <laughs> I do enjoy that with Tolkien versus other. Which a lot of critics would be like, it's not Christian at all. Right, yeah, right. They're which, right. Which is interesting to me. Have a really interesting um, conversation, you know. You could, you could. You know, with people who are like really anti right. Christian, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, so yeah. everybody can. But you can take anything and sit there, and, right? Right, and say, "Oh, that's not that way." Mm-hmm. Right. It's you true. take the Bible and say it's not Christian. <laughs> <laughs> if you really want to fight it, 
No, but back to what I'm saying. Like, the thing that I really... Well, A, I like the cartoons, like I told you about, and I was really digging into it, but... Or I was really digging it back then. But, like, even when the movies came out and things like that, the thing that I really liked is not that it was just a fantasy thing that I do like anyway. That's not, like, my wheelhouse, but it's something that I do like. It, but it's the fact that it's got so much backstory. It's got so much world building. It's got right. this much stuff. So we're not even talking about, like... The first and second age kind of stuff like we were talking about before like you know just the fact that it's like oh there's you know there's these different countries and different things so i do like the fact that you that if you open up the hobbit the first thing is there's a map yeah right yeah so it's like here's the deal this is the shire over here here's you know and here's the blue mountains that we don't even go to you know, and then all the way here to the Lonely Mountain, and this is the trail we gotta go. And yeah. it's effective, so now you kind of get the idea. And I like the fact that he says we gotta go east for four, for you know, four days before we can do X, Y, or Z. Where most books or something, when they say directions, it really doesn't matter, but you can't wrap your head around it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, but his stuff. They're talking about a fictitious land where mostly you just make up stuff and it's fine. But it's a real world. But it's a real world because he puts yeah. it out there. It's like if Metropolis or Gotham City actually has a real map and everybody stayed true to it, which I know they did like in like the late 90s, they were making maps like that and they were using this this one comic story was really hitting that stuff. But for years and years and years, they just make up streets or whatever and it didn't matter because it was a total ever-changing landscape. Because it was a fictitious city. It's not like in New York or something where they're using real streets or something. But this land is fictitious, so it didn't matter or something like that. But he made it so it is real. Right. Like, back to Clancy again. I remember reading uh, uh, Patriot Games, and a lot of it happens in, you know, Maryland, Virginia. So it's like Langley and Annapolis and and D.C. and, like, where they lived off the coast. So I literally went to AAA to put, get a map of, of Maryland. That's hilarious. Yeah. To, wow. Because he would talk about this stuff because when he was doing they are real places. So when he's, like, you had to get on this freeway or and hit the beltway or drive this way, and then the, the terrorists were going on this road to shoot at, you know, Kathy and... Um, Sally, I think is the name, but whatever. But, you know, so you're finding out these things because he was using real places. And that's the way Tolkien does his stuff. He's using real places to him or that he created. And the fact that it was so much detail to it is what I really liked. That the background, the fact that, you know, the characters in Lord of the Rings, they're like, oh, yeah, remember that we are all the same guys from The Hobbit. And these are the, the, you know, Gimli, son of Gloin. Who was in the Hobbit, or the fact that you know that when you you don't really catch it in the movie as much, but when like uh, Pippin is like, oh, you know, Frodo is my third cousin on my mother's yeah. side because the Tooks <laughs> yeah. are his Tooks. mother's family. The Took, you know, because the the old Took is the grandpa that's his mom's dad or something. So that's. You know, Pippin's great grandpa or whatever is so it's like, oh yeah, they're all related and stuff on that side, but fool of a took. Fool of a took. Yeah, I know, and that's the thing. Throw yourself in 
for stupidity. <laughs> My so, favorite line in the book is whenever they're at the um, they're they're at the the gate of Moria, and uh, and they can't figure out how to open it, and then um, oh, it, it's it, he it's it's is it Pippin? Which one's the Toad? Mary or Pippin? Pippin's the Pippin. Pippin. Mary. So Mary Brandy Book. That's right. That's right. Ma- yeah, Mary Doc Brandy Book. Yeah, he, he says. <laughs> yeah. And, he, and he's, he starts giving Gandalf a hard time about not being able to open the door. And he says something along the lines of like, well, I'm just going to use your head and smash it up against the door. Yeah. And if it doesn't open it, at least I'll be rid of you. I'm like, I'm like that's fantastic. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, like, that's fantastic. Uh, yeah. yeah. Exactly. A, a fool. A fool. But an honest fool. An honest he, fool. he remains. <laughs> Yeah. But like, like lines like that, when I saw the movies the first time, I'm like, uh, you know, I don't, I don't catch any of that. Like right. this is full of a chook. I didn't realize that it was the chook and stuff. It's like so after I saw the movie like twice or like knew the book, and then I'm like, oh, all this stuff makes more sense. Especially when you know, even like when Gandalf catches the two when they're lighting out the fireworks, and he says their names, right. And, like, that's the point where you're like, oh, yeah, because you read the books. Right, right, right. And then, like, when I was like, oh, okay, who are these dudes? And then later when they're there at the – when uh, Farmer Maggot, they're there and they meet up with them before the, the, the ring rates get up. I'm like, those are the same dudes, you know? <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, man, one of these guys is going to get it before they get to that ferry, you know? And then when he says Buckleberry Ferry – I thought he was just saying, like, you know, like, Bob's your uncle, let's go. And I was like, oh, that's the name of the fairy. That's why they jumped to it. Right. It's like all these things. It's all, it's all, it's all connected. Yeah. yeah cool. It makes more sense. Yeah. So there's actual places and things that you don't realize it unless you're, like, really – everything has a name for a reason. Right. That's one of the things I really like about it. That is cool. What I really liked about about it all was the characters in themselves – that they weren't um, they weren't indestructible, and it wasn't the story of how there's the that evil is is there, and then now something more powerful than evil comes to clobber it. You know, this like mm. the only reason why they, that we win is because this more powerful good comes and conquers evil. That's not what it is. Um, these characters are all flawed and they're all weak in, in the grand scheme against, against the villain. And yet their, um, their desire to, to, to be good, even if, even when they fail or their desire to, uh, um, to sacrifice of themselves, even if they don't do it perfectly, um, somehow prevails. Yeah. And, and, and I like that a lot because, I can identify with that a lot is that, um, you know, I very much want to, um, I very much want to, to conquer evil, but I, I more often than not succumb to it. And, and I very much want to self-sacrifice to my extent. And then, um, I, I can at, at various places, but then at other times I'm very weak in that. And it, and it, and the characters of the Lord of the Rings, because of their weakness, and yet, there's still redemptive value there, and so they're still heroes. I mean, is that it's that you know, it's the, 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 yeah, it's relatable, and that there's that always that hope that even though um, even though you're not perfect, 
you can still somehow be a hero. Even though you're not strong, you can still somehow be a hero. Even though you're not the best at whatever, you can still somehow be yeah, a hero. Yeah. And I think that's uh, um, I think that's cool. And I don't think that's that's done in other stories. Right. All right, so Dom, um, we are about we are at about two hours of recording, which means a lot of editing for me. Yeah, there's a lot of preamble. So, um, as we're as we're closing out here, we're um, can people get a hold of you in any kind of way, or this is kind of like the end of, of where you get your social media tags in there if you want to put them in or, or whatever. Is it, what's a um, what's a way for people to to get a hold of you if they're interested in? And finding out more about who you are or chatting with you about uh, Lord of the Rings. Um, well, let's see. I'll, I'll say, I, I guess I could give my email address out. Um, and if you do email me, uh, just make sure to provide a specific message as to why you're contacting me. <laughs> Otherwise, it'll just go straight into my spam. Um, so my email address is uh, livedrums at gmail.com. Again, that's live drums at gmail.com and live drums that's all one word um and and even if you know even if you have other things to add to you know maybe some of the things i said or correct some of the things i said um i would be more than happy to you know receive that oh yeah because none of us here are experts we're just <laughs> fans. Honest. you but, know i mean and then that's the interesting part is you you can actually get a degree and, and I don't even know if this is the right way to say it, but tokenism, like, to- that's like there, you, there's so much with what token has done and he's created that you can actually apparently get a degree. I think, uh, only at Oxford, of course, but that makes sense. Where he taught. And- <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, Neil, do you remember how people can get a hold of us? Yes. Among Wolves. Among I- Wolves Pod. At Pod. Among Wolves Pod on Instagram or Facebook. You can find us at, at Among Wolves Pod. Or do you know? Remember our, our website address? Yeah, um, Fireside. It is a Fireside. We are one of the one billion podcasts uh, powered by Fireside FM. <laughs> so we are <laughs> we are awpodcast.fireside.fm. Uh, again, that's awpodcast.fireside.fm. You can find out where our uh, podcast is being pushed out. You can yeah. check out some of our bios and stuff like that. Don't forget to rate and like, or not oh, like, yeah. or rate and rate review. Us. Uh, I, I do have, we do, do have, we a have couple, a... I think we do have a review. Oh, shut it. up. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, um, rate us if you're going to give us, what, how many stars can you give us? Five stars? Is that what's five? Five, I think. Rate us if you want to give us five stars. If you want to give us something lower than that, then don't rate us. Um, <laughs> but I uh, uh, hope you guys enjoy this. Hope this inspired you to learn a little bit more about Tolkien and maybe, maybe read some of the stuff or rewatch the films and, uh, and fall in love with it and see some of the, some of the Catholic identity that, that Tolkien's fought out there. Yeah, that's why um, we did this one. That's exactly why we did this one. But we really wanted to see Dominic. Mostly we just wanted to <laughs> hang out with Dominic and talk to him about Tolkien because we all love Tolkien. Oh man, you can make ten more episodes on this. Oh yeah, I'm, absolutely. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> What's funny too is like certain parts. He literally came in with like five books, and I'm like, "Oh, that was great! That was great!" (laughs) And I was like, "Are we supposed to do this? Because I have books at home too." (laughs) Yeah, yeah, very, very well prepared. Do we have sign off yet or no? No sign off. Fall full, baby.